God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe, Tribe of Christians, Christians broadcast, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians podcast. I'm your host, the Chief Sinner. Numerous media outlets are reporting this massive caravan has now reached to an estimated 7,000 immigrants and may increase up to 60,000 people by the time it reaches the U.S. border. Some say many of these people are fleeing for violence. Others are saying that there might be an even more insidious plot behind this massive march beyond what meets the eye. There is a massive caravan of people marching their way to the U.S. border right now as we speak, as you are listening. And at the moment, it is estimated to be approximately 7,000 people, but many are reporting that there are large groups of people waiting to join forces with this caravan and will reach to an estimated amount as much as 40 to 60,000 people by the time it reaches the southern U.S. border. Now, this scene resembles something more terrifying like out of the book of Ezekiel and Revelation in the end times. So, could there be more to this? I'm going to show you a much closer look at what this might actually be, who's behind it, and why. A caravan of undocumented immigrants from Central America started in Honduras with fewer than 200 people on October 12th. This past weekend... Thousands crossed into the Guatemala border into Mexico, forcing their way through and around Mexico's barricades and police. Various news agencies also reported that Guatemala President Jimmy Morales posted on Thursday at the, that the country had captured almost 100 ISIS members, with most of them actually being deported. That's what they claim. There is honestly no way of knowing truly who any of these people in this caravan truly are, where they actually come from, especially if the Guatemala president is claiming that the presence of ISIS members. It isn't clear, but one thing is certainly clear is that this seems just in a matter of a few days, this caravan has somehow supernaturally swelmed to massive levels of people who seem to be on a march to defy governments and authorities on a one-way mission. How does something like this happen overnight, especially in areas among really poor people 
who don't have the kind of access to technology and communication stuff like we do here in the United States. How can any of these people really organize to this magnitude without help or assistance? Something or someone is obviously influencing this, and the question is, who and why? And if you do some research into this caravan, you look at all the pictures and all the reports surrounding these people, people are talking about how most of these people in this caravan aren't even carrying food or water. They're not carrying any kind of necessities with them on this 2,000-mile march. And most of them physically could not make a march in extreme conditions like this without any kind of assistance or help at all. Now think about this. I am an army veteran. I was trained in the infantry, and it was extremely tough training and going on missions that lasted 15 to 20 miles of combat marches, and that was with food and water and assistance. But these people are making a 2,000-mile march without any of that stuff. There's absolutely no way. Somebody's got to be helping out here. So this is extremely bizarre. There are a lot of really weird things going on with this, and there are a lot of facts that people don't want you to know about. There's a lot of things they don't want you to see or hear. But let's talk about this for a second, because there is most definitely something to this. I honestly do not believe that this is an innocent thing here. I think from what we have seen so far, those of us who are really paying attention here and using discernment, there are some deeply disturbing things here, and this isn't about refugees or asylum. No, this resembles something extremely different, a little more um, actually horrifying and terrifying that looks like and resembles an army, an invasion of some sort. Now, these people, when they got into Mexico, they got to the Mexican border, they must have had, they obviously had equipment with them and the ability to tear down fences and to get past these barricades and through police. And apparently that was just, that was with less than a thousand people. And the Mexican police weren't even able to stop them. They made it through. And now this caravan has reached up to 7,000 people. It's estimated to 40 to 60,000 more people, swarms of groups just waiting to join forces with them, which are pledging to force their way into the United States. So if they were, they were able to get through barricades and police with just less than 1,000, I can't imagine what 60,000 is going to look like. Now, the reporters are reporting that this is an asylum and refugee mission, but I don't think that that's the case here. I think I genuinely, sincerely believe that this is a attack of some sort to some magnitude. These are government and extremist people backing these groups of people on a mission to defy the United States. And I don't think we really even realize the full scale of what's about to happen and exactly who is involved here. And it's not going to be good. Nothing good about these people. There's, it's up to no good. Maybe some of them, maybe there are some of them who are genuinely seeking help in asylum. But think about this. Think about the people who are fleeing from evil. The people who are fleeing from evil are usually the ones 
who do not commit acts of evil, but rather are obedient to laws and authorities. Okay, people who flee from violence don't commit violence. The people who flee from evil don't commit evil. The real people who are in need of help are the ones who are going to go the right way and follow the laws. Most people that I know who have been victims of violence, who have been victims of assault of some sort, usually are fearful. They suffer from anxiety of all kinds of stuff, and it takes years of healing, of counseling, just to gain confidence to get back out there. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And yet we're supposed to believe that these people, the ones who storm through these fences and polices, police officers and tearing down the barricades and fences, are good people who are in fear of their lives? No. The Bible tells us that we will recognize people by their fruit, by what they do, and by what they say. So if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, and it sounds like a duck, then it is a duck. And what's happening here resembles something that looks a lot like the people that will be in the Battle of Gog and Magog, what they will look like. Now, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to explain the very similar characteristics of what the Bible describes the people in the Battle of Gog and Magog. I'm going to show you the similarities between these people compared to the people who are marching across to the United States because there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of characteristics. And I believe the Bible has something to say here about this, that there is a lot more to what we are seeing. So if you would turn to Ezekiel chapter 38, starting in verse 10. Ezekiel 38, starting in verse 10. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. And all, and they will say, all her villages will say to you, Have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to seize much plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. In that day, when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? You will come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, Gog, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me. And when I am proved holy through you before, their eyes. Now, obviously, here in Ezekiel chapter 38, the Bible is not talking about the United States or Central America or Mexico or in the times alluding to the present time right now, but the Bible is talking about Israel and a massive amount of people who will swarm against Israel in a much, much later time in the future. So, this passage in no way is about us as the United States. We are not Israel. 
and we aren't in the complete end times yet. We're drawing near, but we're not in it yet. But look at the characteristics and the similarities in this passage here. There are a lot of similarities in this situation that I believe relate to the current situation the United States is facing. Now, the people who came against Israel were from the north, from Russia, and all these other nations by Russia that were in alliance with them. And the people right now coming towards the U.S. are from the south. But I think we can learn a lot from this, a whole lot of similarities and characteristics here in Ezekiel 38. Listen to this. I'm going to go through them. I'm going to show you and tell me that this is not relevant. Now, number one, the very first similarity is that the Bible says these people will invade a land and villages of peaceful people to attack them. And they come to attack the people who are without walls, without gates, and without bars. Our nation is a peaceful nation. We are a nation of godly people. The United States was founded upon biblical principles. And although we do have checkpoints and law enforcement and stuff at our borders, but we currently do not have any kind of walls. We don't have any kind of gates or anything like that, which is separating us at our borders, preventing anyone from getting in, at least not at the moment. Now, number two, the second similarity here is the motive, which is behind the people that swarm Israel. These people, their motive is greed, to plunder, to rob, and to steal. You know, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, this is found in verses 12 and 13 of Ezekiel 38. What are all these news agencies reporting about these people, okay? You see people doing the interviews on the news. What are they saying? That the number one reason why they're marching to the U.S. Most of them are saying because they are poor. They don't have any money, so they're coming here to the United States. Now, I'm not saying that all of these people have it in their hearts to commit evil. But look what the Bible says here, which describes the hearts of the people in the, that resemble the war of Gog and Magog. These people rise up against Israel to plunder and steal from them. They're motivated by greed, by jealousy, and envy. Now, right now, the United States is extremely, extraordinarily blessed and wealthy compared to 75% of the rest of the world. And where did that wealth come from? It didn't come from robbing and stealing, but it came through capitalism, through trade, through enterprise, through our constitution, through freedoms. And we have been blessed because we bless Israel. The United States was the first nation to formally recognize Israel in 1948. And we were the first nation to financially fund Israel, to help them rebuild their nation and their cities. That is a biblical principle. That's the principles of sowing and reaping. Now, number three, the third similarity. These people are described like hordes of people, masses, amounts of people. In the Battle of Gog and Magog, it's the people from the north of Israel, that's Russia, but will include many other people and nations as well. But the Bible says that these people march after Israel because they are in lack. They are envious of Israel's peace and of their wealth. According to Zechariah and Isaiah, 
in the end times, there will be a severe drought and a severe famine, which will hit very hard on all of these nations except for Israel. And this will be at a time where Israel has repented and accepted Jesus as the Messiah and has rebuilt their third temple. But right now, obviously, God isn't, God's blessing isn't completely on Israel right now because they have not accepted Christ. But God's blessing is without a doubt on the United States. So this is another big similarity compared to the situation in Ezekiel 38. The United States is a shining city on a hill. We are an example to all the nations around us. And why is that? Because our nation stands for Jesus. We stand for the gospel message. We represent everything there could be to represent about how the kingdom of God operates. We have blessed Israel, and we send out missionaries and churches all over the world. We are a light on the hill. So why does God bring all of these people to rise up against Israel? Why did God allow these people to sink so low in their hearts, to set their minds to rob and plunder Israel? This was for the sole purpose that God can be glorified, that God can reveal himself to the nation and the people of Israel, also be a witness to the people of Gog and Magog. So, I can't say 100% for certain what is going to happen with this massive caravan of people. But what I can say is that God knows for the knows exactly what is in the minds and the hearts of these people. And if there is any purpose behind this massive march against the U.S., the sole purpose is for God's glory and his honor to both us and these people. Now, I don't know how, I don't know, but according to what happens in Israel, in this situation, God wins the battle. He wins that war. And I mean, God already won the victory through his son Jesus on the cross. He overcame the world. But God wins and he is glorified. The people of Israel are blessed even greatly for their trust in God. So it is clear to me that God has allowed the enemy and whoever else is behind this plot to stir up trouble for the American people, to put their trust in God. And I'm convinced that God is going to unite the American people even more greatly than ever before. Now, have you ever noticed that every time the enemy throws a attack against God's people, that the attack backfires on the enemy and God's people become stronger and they become more united than before. Look what's happened with the Supreme Court. Look what's happened during the election of President Trump. How the enemy used everything that they could to defame hum and humiliate and disqualify God's people and his purposes only to backfire back on them and unite God's people even greater. That's exactly what's happening. And this is a very clear sign and message to me that not only is God's people going to have the victory in this upcoming midterms election, but a tremendous victory, even greater than the 2016 turnout. I've been talking about it in the past three to four podcasts about this sign of unity, the symbol and the meaning of the number nine. The number nine in the Bible represents unity because nine is the sum of three times three times three. And three in the Bible represents the number of unity between the Holy Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Nine is the complete sum of that trinity times itself. There are nine gifts 
of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are for the purposes of building up God's kingdom and unity in God's kingdom. There are also nine fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is also for the purposes of building up God's kingdom and for unity. But the fruit of the Spirit is also a way to identify God's kingdom. Now think about the fruits of the Spirit. They promote peace, they promote unity, and they promote love and humility and gentleness and kindness. Now think about the day of Pentecost also, when the Spirit was given to the church. Pentecost happened at the ninth hour of prayer, which traditionally took place at nine in the morning in Israel. It is Hebrew year 5779, and we are just a few months away from entering into year 2019. So this is not a coincidence. This is not an accident. God is telling us something here. He is preparing us for a massive gathering, a massive outpouring. Now, some people only want to preach the that things are going to get worse, that as we draw near to the end times, as we draw nearer to the rapture and the second coming, that things are going to, going to get more wicked, more evil, more destructive, like the times of Noah. These are the people who are the, doom, the doomsday sayers, you know, the doom and gloom preachers. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 13 concerning the end times. These, there are two harvests in Matthew 13 in the parable of the wheat and the tares. Two harvests, not one, but there are two. Now, this means that one harvest is good and the other harvest is bad, but both of them are growing in the same place. That place is the world. Matthew 13, 24 through 30, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among that wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you... Sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? The enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, You want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So in other words, yes, the wicked people are growing to grow, are going to grow even more severely wicked. But at the same time, God's people are going to be growing even more godly. So there is going to be a division. There is going to be a much, much greater distinction between which harvest is which, who belongs to who. An apple seed cannot produce both oranges and apples. An apple seed can't produce grapes, oranges, and bananas all from the same seed. No, an apple seed only produces apples. But some of us Christians, we like to think that we can just stay on the fence here, that we can be Christian without having to pick a side, that we can live and enjoy all these things in the world all at the same time of being a Christian without consequence and have it all. That's not how it's going to happen. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you're going to have to make a choice. And that is the purpose of the harvest, of the bad seed of the enemy. One brings out the other. They divide and distinguish the differences between the two harvests. That is the purpose of trial and tribulation. There isn't a middle ground. Now, you might think about things like pro-choice rights as something innocent, like abortion. 
But do you honestly believe that God created his kingdom to operate in abortion? But yet some Christians believe abortion is okay if it's conditional upon rape. or But in reality, murder is murder. We want to justify killing an innocent life to save our own lives. It's one thing if somebody is intentionally and deliberately trying to kill you. And it's something completely different when it's an innocent life whom God has put there. So, this caravan, I believe, is going to bring out more definition to the harvest. The purpose is to bring out God's people, to define them. And it's their faith through their choices which defines which harvest belongs to who. And something else very important to mention here. God was very strict with Israel in the Old Testament concerning unequal yoked people. God didn't permit Israel to even associate with Gentiles, with anyone who wasn't from them. And that reason was being because that these other people, these Gentiles from these other nations, they worshipped demons, they worshipped idols, false idols, and they did evil things. Now, for example, let me ask you something. Would you bring in a, a Ouija board into your house? Say, even if you never opened it up, you would never engage with it. You never bring it out of its wrapper, and it stays in its wrapping. Would you still bring it into your house? No. And why not? Because those things, Ouija boards, are connected to demons in the occult, to evil demonic energy. You wouldn't want to bring that kind of energy into your own home and open yourself and your family up to an attack from the devil, let alone risk yourself doing anything that would force God to oppose you. It's the same exact thing with people. It's just that without discernment, people are not as easily to identify as Ouija boards. It's easy to identify a Ouija board as being evil, but it's not so easy to identify the spirits among a person. That's why Jesus tells us to identify them by their fruit. So therefore, Israel was never allowed to associate with these things and with other people, uh, Gentiles, in order to keep themselves pure until Jesus could be born. After Jesus came, he changed everything so that we didn't have to avoid these people. But because we have his Holy Spirit, we can discern the spirits. We can discern the difference between whom God wants us to reach and someone that the devil is using and planting for evil. Thing about The thing about the massive amounts of people is that think about the nations in which they are coming from. These aren't Christian practicing nations. Many of them are Islamic, Muslim, Hindu, and witchcraft, carrying many demonic witchcraft practices. And think about what month we are in right now. We are in the month of October. We're drawing near to Halloween. This is the month where evil people celebrate evil and witchcraft. And it's the annual celebrated day of the year of witchcraft and demonic beings and of the dead. This is not a coincidence, people. I'm not just talking out of my butt here. These things are real. The supernatural world is real. This stuff is real, okay? Is it a coincidence that right now we're in the month of October? 
and all these people coming out of these countries that celebrate and practice uh, voodoo and witchcraft. And as they are drawing nearer to us, we are drawing nearer to Halloween. As we draw near to Halloween, October 31st, these people are getting closer and closer to our border. This is not a coincidence. Okay, this stuff is clearly orchestrated. Somebody is behind this. The enemy is definitely without a doubt, without a doubt behind this. The enemy is orchestrated this to mean it for harm, but I believe that God, through the Lord, has meant to reveal himself through this. These things, evil, demonic, and all this stuff is real. And you might be tempted to look and not discern at the truth. The truth of what is going on here with these people who are marching towards us. But this crowd resembles the enemy. It has all the characteristics of the enemy. Look at what they are doing. Look at what they have said. Look at their hearts. I just showed you through Ezekiel chapter 38, the comparisons, okay? Their motives. There's no doubt in my mind. These people bear the characteristics of the enemy. We need to pray for them. We need to fast for them. We also need to pray for our nation. We need to fast for our nation. We need to pray for discernment, diligence concerning this matter. It is so important that Christians utilize discernment and wisdom in this day and age because we are drawing closer to the end and the enemy's goal is to manipulate you to mislead you to lead you into doubt and sin to get you through one step at a time to turn away from god without you even realizing it in the end time satan will have the power to deceive the entire world even the most elect and wise satan was once a cherub he was in the presence of God. So he likes to have the appearance of light of something good. And many of us like to think of things as being good without really discerning if it's from God or not. We need to seek wisdom. We need to seek insight. We need to pray and be willing to listen to the body of Christ who are diligently preaching right now, warning about these things. We need to turn our ears to the truth. We need to pray for a sensitivity to God's word, a desire for God's word, a desire for truth. The Bible also warns us that in the end, people will hate the truth and be lovers of themselves, that they will have ears itching to hear what they want to hear. The truth isn't pleasant to hear, but it guides us. It leads us. It's our compass to keep us on the right path. Don't let abortion mislead you. Don't let the ways of the world, like homosexuality and gay marriage, mislead you. Don't let the enemy mislead you under the pretense of human rights. There is only one who is just, and that is God. There is only one who is good, and in the words of Jesus, God is the only one who is good. All of us deserve help, any one of us, and that's why we need Jesus. We need him. Romans 3.23 tells us, for we have all sinned. None of us can escape God's judgment of sin, and that's why it's so important that we put our faith in Christ. We put our faith in Jesus and who He is, and that He is able to save and He will deliver us. And if you're not sure right now where you stand, you can pray with me right now and seek for God to lead your life the way He has called you to live. And you might have no idea where to start, but the Bible tells us, that the beginning of all wisdom is to fear God, to trust Him. All you have to do is take one step towards Him, and He will draw near to you. Would you pray with me right now? 
Dear Lord, dear Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for sending your son Jesus, for dying on the cross of our sins. Please forgive us and thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit and for your church. O Lord, we come to you in your great name, O Jesus. We call upon you that you may save and deliver your people in our great nation of the United States, whom you have raised up. We pray for the coming elections. We pray for our leaders. We pray for a great move upon your people to pray, to move, to stand. We pray, Lord, that you protect us and lead us, O Lord, from the schemes of the enemy. According to your ways, grant us the wisdom and the discernment to recognize the tactics of the enemy and lead us not in temptation, O Lord. Deliver us away from evil. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing. In your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. You can find more great teachings just like this one on our website at tribeofchristians.com and also on Facebook at Tribe of Christians. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast to get future updates and words. Also, please share this message to help spread the gospel message. This concludes this episode's podcast. I am the chief sinner with the tribe of Christians. May God continue to bless you and be with you always.